Hello and welcome to the Minimap Cast. My name is Jeremy. Um, the Minimap Cast. It's a podcast about video games. I wrote that like three or four weeks ago, and it was it was because when I had to adjust the script to to make it like more of a solo focus script, I realized that I didn't have like I didn't have like a show subheading really. Like it it it's it's been like one of those things that you just sort of don't really think about. Um, so I just wrote down the words, it's a podcast about video games, which is, look, it's true. It is true. Uh, welcome to the Minimapcast. Um, the Minimapcast is, Minimapcast is a fortnightly video podcast um, that goes live every Thursday evenings, uh, apart from last week, but from this week onwards, every, not sorry, not every Thursday, every second Thursday. So it won't be live next week, but it'll be live the week after because it is a fortnightly show. Um, if you uh, enjoy this podcast, make sure you tell your friends about it and give the show a positive rating wherever you listen to your podcast. It does make a huge difference and it only takes a few seconds. Uh, if you want to get notified every time a new episode is released, make sure to follow us on social media. Um, we are at MinimapAU on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube and also Twitch where the show goes live every second Thursday night at six, at around 6.30 to 7pm. Um, Still working on that timing. Um Minimap also wants to say thank you to Shook for letting us use the Moog Model D improv as the music for the Minimap cast. You can listen to more of Shook's music at shook.bandcamp.com. And finally, Minimap is completely independent and almost entirely self-funded. To help keep the mics and lights on, you can support us by becoming a patron. For only $5 a month, you can uh, know that you are indeed supporting the show and will also gain access to some of our special bonus features, uh, like taking trips down memory lane, watching old E3 coverage from yesteryear, Head on over to patreon.com forward slash minimapau to help us out. And remember, it's cheaper than a latte with oat milk. My name is Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Um, got kind of a, not not a typical um, episode, uh, I think, because the show's kind of taken a little bit of a, 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 a is, is going to take a distance away from doing some heavy news reporting or at least talking about a lot of current events uh, current event stuff um, not that we're not going to because like I'm sure you can tell from the title of this episode we're going to talk about some stuff um, however this news that came out over the past week and a half is so so intense um, so uh, just like it's a continue on from last year. We're talking about the layoffs that have, that have happened over the past couple of weeks. Um, a lot of this, I, I think a lot of people sort of assumed that the, the, the 2023 year of the layoff in the, in the games industry was hopefully going to die down. And I can understand the idea behind hoping that was going to happen. Calendar years don't affect a lot of that stuff, especially considering that companies usually uh, don't, work to off a calendar year they work to financial years which are usually offset um however there was a a a hope that i think people had that this year there weren't going to be as many layoffs in the video game industry um as there were last year and 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 the trend from 2022 to 2023 was not going to be um continued uh however that is unfortunately not the case we've had a, a, a real doozy of of some layoffs over the past couple days which i'm gonna get into um but just before we get into that i i wanted to share an article that i was reading earlier this week um this is uh on uh, polygon.com 
um, written by Nicole Carpenter. The headline is, what's going on with all these video game industry layoffs? We asked experts to size up what was already a volatile year. Um, This article goes into like a a, a really, this article has a lot of really interesting details in it, um, specifically talking about uh, where, like uh, talking about the reason why a lot of these layoffs are happening. Um, I'm not going to say too much about it because I kind of want to wrap around to it um, towards the end of this segment, but uh, specifically they talk about like, is this related to the pandemic? Is this related to other things, economic downturns, et cetera? Um, and the answer is loosely yes, but I want to sort of give more context to what has happened over the past two weeks and then wrap back around to this. Um, but I definitely recommend you check out that article. It is really, really good. Um, so starting off, the 15th of February, um, which I think was about a day after I recorded, yep. Or it was the day I recorded, but I think it hadn't hit yet because of time zones. Um, the first of a of a long string of of uh, layoffs had happened. Um, it was reported on by uh, videogames.si.com. Um, the headline is Disco Elysium devs uh, Zaum to lay off a, a, around a quarter of its staff cancels new game. This is written by Marco Watts. Um, uh, the article says as follows, according to 24 employees, so around 24 employees are at risk of redundancy at Disco Elysium Makers Aum, according to um, GLHF source close to the matter. This is roughly a quarter of the company's current total workforce. These cuts go hand in hand with the cancellation of a project named X7, which we've been told was a standalone expansion for Disco Elysium. In a call with staff, Zaum president Ed uh, Thomas. Tomaszewski said that X7 was a game that was one or two years away from completion and could have taken, quote, more time and effort than Disco Elysium did. Um, this uh, turned out to be true. The article sort of does it in, in forward tense, but this did end up happening. Um, this is really, really sad. Um, this sort of follows um, some reporting that came out of People Make Games um, a year ago uh, where they talked to sort of the history of um, uh, the the company that met that made Disco Elysium, the people that were running it, the people that had had moved on from the company, um, and some like it's it's quite a long documentary. Um, however, uh, in as a part of these layoffs, um, was uh, a man named Argo Tulik, um, who described um, part of uh, this process as the fish starts rotting from the head, um, implying that it was largely uh, higher-ups um, were, were the ones that, that really began the issues happening here. Um, it's also worth mentioning that he was the last remaining writer um, of Disco Elysium uh, at Zaum, and now there are no writers um, who worked on Disco Elysium at that studio. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation around that studio over the past couple of days um, following these layoffs, talking about like it sort of doesn't feel like it's the same team that made Disco Elysium anymore so whatever whatever comes next is not going to really feel like it's from the studio that brought you Disco Elysium it's it's especially considering how writing focused and writing forward uh that game is um next up on February 27th um Supermassive Games the uh developers behind Until Dawn uh the Dark Pictures anthology that followed that um so like Man of Medan 
um, and a handful of the, those other games um, put out a statement saying, oh, let me just make this bigger so I can actually read it. Uh, saying that uh, they were also going to be experiencing layoffs. Um, in their statement, it says, it's no secret that the games industry is currently facing significant challenges. This unfortunately, uh, and unfortunately we aren't immune to this. After much deliberation with deep regret, we are therefore undertaking a reorganization of supermassive games. As a result, we are entering into a period of cons uh, consultation, which we anticipate will result in the loss of some of our colleagues. Um, uh, Supermassive games have been in a in a funny place. Um, their most recent game that came out was The Quarry, which was like I, I played quite a lot of it. Um, I really really enjoyed that game. That was published by Two K, which was the first uh, game by theirs that was published by Two K because it was separate to the Dark Pictures anthology, um, which again is separate to Until Dawn. They're all the same type of game. Um, however, Until Dawn, uh, owned by PlayStation and also announced recently that there was a movie coming out and a remake was coming out for that as well. Um, yeah, uh, the according to Bloomberg, the, the there was around 90 staff members that were getting, layoff, uh, getting laid off at Supermassive, um, which is obviously deeply sad. Uh, the same day, um, kind of a whole time zone away, so it was a little bit later, but on February 27th as well, PlayStation announced um, that they were also going to be experiencing a tremendous amount of layoffs. Um, this is from an article on Kotaku uh, titled PlayStation Cancels Multiple Games Amid Massive Job Cut um, by Willow Rowe. Uh, the article reads as follows. These cuts will impact a variety of PlayStation's first-party studios, including Insomniac Games, Guerrilla, Naughty Dog, Fire Sprite, and more, with the biggest cut hitting PlayStation's London studio, which is being closed down in its entirety. In total... Jim Ryan, president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, estimates that the layoffs will affect around 900 people or 8% of the current workforce and multiple games are being cancelled as a result. Uh, there's a quote here. We had to step back and uh, look at our business holistically and move forward focusing on the long-term sustainability of the company and delivering the best experiences possible for for our community, wrote Ryan in an email shared with Sony employees and posted on the Sony Interactive Entertainment website. The quote continues, The goal is to streamline our resources to ensure our continued success and ability to deliver experiences gamers and creators have come to expect from us. Um, this is definitely the biggest of the bunch that I'm, that I'm, I'm reading out. It's, it's like 900 employees is a huge amount of workers. Um, with the the closure of uh, Sony uh, Sony London, that is deeply deeply sad. Um, that studio is responsible for a lot of a lot of uh, really important projects to to PlayStation, um, such as the SingStar games, um, PlayStation Home, um, a handful of others as well. Like that, they have been so instrumental to the the PS2 P PS3 era of PlayStation, um, and to see them. Uh, to see Sony having to, like, ha let me not say having, to see Sony closing another studio in London, um, in England, is is really, really sad. Um, they've done it quite a few times now with, like, another example that comes to mind is Liverpool. Um, I, I read somewhere that ac according to um, some people who, like, I, don't, I don't remember who said it, but there were people talking about that one of the other 
potential pseudoclosis was Media Molecule, also in England, which would have been really, really sad considering that Dreams is winding down and they seem to be changing focus into a different direction. Um, it's, it would have been also quite sad to see them go as well. Um, there was a tweet as well that was um, posted from um, someone named Izzy Foley, um, who uh, was an associate art manager um, at London Studio. Um, she posted uh, a, an image um, five days before these layoffs, which were um, a party that was being hosted at the, stu- at the London Studio's office, um, which was Jim Ryan's farewell party that was happening there. Um, it's quite a, it's almost, an ha- almost a haunting photo because Jim Ryan is in the middle of this photo because he's the outgoing um, president of, of Sony Interactive Entertainment, um, outgoing CEO, uh, and he's at a studio that is being closed in less than a week or the, the, the announcement of the closure is happening in less than a week, um, accepting his, his goodbye party um, and clearly no one in this photo aside from Jim um, or at least none of the employees of London Studio um, are aware that this is going to happen and it is really kind of gross. Um, it's, it's a really weird thing to, to, to go to these things, to accept a goodbye party which is just a, a, a goodwill thing for you to say thank you as employees do for bosses because that is an easy way to get a party um, and perhaps some legitimate, you know, thank yous for, for, for shepherding the company only for him to close the studio. It's gross. It's really gross. Also February 27th, um, uh, Daigut Fabric. Um, which is a uh, collective responsible for um, Salty Chronicles, uh, Mutazerni, um, Sports Friends. Uh, really, really liked what I played of Salty Chronicles. It was a really, really, really gorgeous looking game. Uh, also announced that they were halting production. Um, uh, this is according to one of their tweets. Due to the challenging funding and investment scene in the games right now. We've downed tools earlier this month and have been doing our best to support the team who will be looking for work from mid-March. And then they released a statement with that as well. Th- this one is, is, is quite sad. Um, not, that, not that any of these are not sad, but this is sad because this is not a decision made from the top down for a CEO. This is a, like, we have not been able to accumulate funding. A lot of the games they make are are really stunning um, independent story-driven games, um, uh, really nice-looking games, and it's, it's, a, it's a shame that they are not able to continue um, in the, with the current state of funding and investment, as they said. This one is, is, is just, just quite sad. February 28th, Deck 9 Games, the studio behind uh, Life is Strange True Colors, Before the Storm. They also worked on the... Telltale, um, uh, The Expanse, um, the Telltale game, um, also announced um, that they would uh, be experiencing layoffs. Um, uh, they were laying off 20% of their staff. Um, this followed an announcement that employees were going to be able to collect their things um, and then they immediately locked out a bunch of staff members from their work email. Um, 
I understand that they then unlocked it quite quickly after that um, due to backlash from people saying, you just said you are going to allow us to collect our things but immediately lock our work emails, which means you can't get into basically any of your accounts. Um, not a good look. Um, quite sad. Um, they seem to have been uh, not, not like we haven't really seen a whole lot from them recently. Like the, like the, the Expanse Tell, Telltale game came out, I think, either last year or the year before, but um, we hadn't really seen a lot of what they've been working on basically since True Colors um, with the Telltale game being um, still worked on by Telltale in whatever shape that studio is in at this point. Um, so presumably they would have been working on something else at the same time. Who knows if that's still going ahead. Onwards to today, the 29th of February, 2024. Uh, this is from an article from uh, gamesindustry.biz um, titled EA Cutting 5% of Workforce um, by uh, Brendan Sinclair. The article reads, Electronic Arts Today announced that it is laying off approximately 5% of its employees as it leans on the parts of the business it feels will be most successful in the years to come. In the most recent annual report, the publisher gave its headcount as 13,400 at the end of March 2023, which would put the job losses at around 670 people. Uh, this is really, really sad and also kind of um, aggravating at uh, the idea that this is happening, um, considering uh, the CEO of EA, Andrew Wilson, gets paid something like $18 million Um it, he gets paid a tremendous amount of money. Um, I looked up the CEO. Uh, I looked sorry. I looked up Jim Ryan, the CEO of Sony's salary. It doesn't seem to be nearly anywhere uh, close to that amount. Considering he's been at Sony for thirty years, it's understandable that he's probably going to have qu pretty quite a high payout for his contract that is ending soon, because um, he is the outgoing CEO. Uh, we don't know what that is, so it's kind of hard to comment on how much it is. But one can imagine it'd be quite a bit. Uh, Andrew Wilson famously gets paid quite a lot of money. Um, he is, in 2022 or 2021, I think it was, he got paid like over $30 million um, with, you know, and still getting paid $18 million this, uh, or uh, 2023. It, that's a lot of money. That is a lot, a lot of money. Um, there was a statement that came out after, um, after this announcement, uh, which was from Laura Miele, who is the president of VA Entertainment and Technology. Um, she sort of went into a little bit more detail about what some of these restructuring uh, means for some of the studios that they've got going on. Uh, I wanted to, to point out one of them um, in particular as a, as a, as like, it's been, it's been its own little news cycle. Um, but when talking about Respawn Entertainment, the developers of Apex Legends and, Titanfall and uh, Star Wars Jedi, um, they announced... Well, th this is this is what, what Laura said in the statement. Respawn's unique ability to connect with players and create exceptional game experiences is unrivaled in entertainment. As we've looked at Respawn's portfolio over the last few months, what's clear is the games our players are most excited for are Jedi and Respawn's rich library of own brands. Knowing this, we've decided to pivot away from early development on a Star Wars FPS action game to focus our efforts on new projects based on our own brand and while providing support for existing games. It's always hard to walk away from a project and this decision is not a reflection of the team's talent, tenacity or passion they have for the, for the games. Giving fans an installment of the iconic franchises they want is the definition of blockbuster storytelling and the right place to focus, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
Yeah, they were they they were working on a on a on a Star Wars first person shooter. Um, I think that 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 got announced uh, a few, maybe like six months ago now. I don't remember exactly how long we've known about that. Um, that being said, that project is now no longer going ahead. This is one of the many many Star Wars single player projects that that EA have have killed. Um, and it's and it's it's quite a shame. Um, Respawn are really good at at shooters, right? Like that's their that's their bread and butter. They they the studio was founded um, uh, by ex Call of Duty developers who left to start up their own thing. Um, then they made you know they they made a tremendous splash with Titanfall and Titanfall Two, Apex Legends, obviously, and then also also made Jedi Survivor, which is or Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor. Um, which for the most part are quite successful, really pretty well reviewed games, Star Wars games. Like that, how do you go wrong with that? Them working on a Star Wars first person shooter action game. That that doesn't that seem like a surefire hit? Uh, even going back further, back to Sony again. You know, Spider Man Two is one of the fastest selling games they've ever had. Uh, they've just re-released The Last of Us 2 on PS5 um, and, and PC, I think. Um, the, you know, Last of Us 1 is on PC. They had Helldivers come out and make, make a, a much bigger slash than they were expecting. It's not, it's not, you know, Last of Us numbers, but it's still good. They've got, you know, The Last of Us show, season two entering production. They've, they had the Twisted Metal TV show come out. They cancelled a Twisted Metal live service game. Forbidden West DLC came out last year with the game coming out the year before. God of War as well recently and, and, and its, its expansion. Um, there's a lot going on for like Sony and even, even a studio that is just responsible for making the biggest hits PlayStation has ever made being Insomniac, Naughty Dog, Gorilla even they are not safe um it's 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 a it's a continuation of what is basically like one of the largest crashes in in video games um for a, a long time like like i i've i've been one of the people that has been saying this not as a i told you so but a lot of people have been saying this for quite a long time that AAA is unsustainable um that that you know, games need to hit a certain level, and if they don't hit at a certain level, then then some triple games just could not be profitable if they don't hit a level that is realistically far too big for its boots. This is attached to that, but but I think the idea that that this is only a triple A thing um, is is perhaps a misplaced idea. Um, you know. Uh, Deck Nine, uh, um, Zaum. These are not AAA studios. Um, these are AA independent studios. Um, it's it's not just about the size. Um, so I do want to wrap it back around to the to the article that I mentioned before, the the Polygon one, because um, it does go into a little bit of information about why this might be happening. Um, there's a part in the article which is which is sort of a, a quarter or a third of the way through, which talks about um, is this related to the pandemic? Is this a reaction to the pandemic? Um, uh, the article reads as follows: uh, 
Lane Nooney, the New York University Assistant Professor of Media and Information Industries, told Polygon over email in late January that this moment is a culmination of two separate but interconnected factors. The first is that video games saw, quote, unprecedented levels of engagement during the pandemic. Nooney said, uh, sorry, unprecedented levels of engagement, that's a quote, during the pandemic, Nooney said. Because people were stuck indoors due to lockdown restrictions, there was a record growth and companies expanded. The problem was that executives did not consider that this upswing would stall or backslide. Quote, it's hard to believe now, but the cultural conversation at the time was really driven by this belief that these gains would hold and that we were experiencing a fundamental and inalterable shift in cultural behaviour, Nooney said. The media attention that was poured into the spike in hours streamed or money made really did contribute to a kind of collective delusion that all of this was going to continue forever. Um, so a lot of this is due to, uh, the, the two big money groups in games, which is the executives at the top of the large companies, publishers, developers, the big wigs that make all the big decisions. And the other side of it is also um, investment companies. So venture capital companies who invest in some of the smaller ones, ones that might not, not, might not necessarily be um, publishers, but will be companies that will invest in these smaller studios, give them some cash to allow them to make a game that they wouldn't be able to afford otherwise. Um, both of these parties... Um, not just them, but both of these parties who were the who were the ones responsible more more so, I think the executives at like at, at the heads of the company than the than the venture capitalists because realistically they're, they're not the ones that are uh, running companies, the venture capitalists. Um, a lot of these executives had had sort of lent into this what it, what we now realize is is untrue narrative that these levels of engagement these levels of spending and these levels of like um you know the cultural touchstones of around games that happened during the pandemic would hold and were going to be the new norm you know thinking back to what was happening during lockdown there was stuff like people playing among us parties um just in their own homes with work colleagues or friends or family there were moments where um you know, Brie Larson is playing Animal Crossing with uh, on Gary Witter's show, right? You know, and talking about the games that she wanting to play. There was a lot of larger than industry moments, uh, moments where the games that were popular at the time were expanding out into areas that they hadn't normally been. Um, and on top of that, with, with games like Roblox, with games like Fortnite, um, which were which were rapidly expanding um, the amount of people that were playing them because people were stuck at home, there was this feeling that a lot of people had, had believed that this was going to stick around. Um, this is obviously not the case. Um, this article goes on to mention that... Um, uh, where is it? Um, video game investments um, hit major lows in 2023. Industry revenue is down 4% in the US, according to Video Game Investor... Um, and the Metaverse author Matthew Ball, and down 1.5 world, uh, 1.5% worldwide since 2021 when the market was expected to expand, right? Like, people were preparing to have more and more. People bought studios, consolidate studios. They increased hiring. Um, 
then the, the, the actual share of the audience had started to disappear. This is not the fault of the workers who are now having to feel the reckoning of this, right? I can't think of any head of company, any CEO who has said, hey, I'm stepping down, I'm taking a tremendous pay cut, I'm taking like, you know, this as a thing that is my responsibility and I will bear the brunt of this before anyone else. That hasn't happened. I don't know the average salary of an EA worker, whether it be developer, community management, producer, programmer, artist, you know, I don't know what that is. I know that $18 million to a CEO is a lot of money. And that could, be, could, that could be split to a lot of people. I don't know if that could be split to 690 people. I don't know that math off the top of my head. Um, however, it could certainly help reduce um, that, that size. I think that $18 million, even though he's taken a pay cut over the years, like year on year, that, that is not a pay cut that is like, it's, it's a percentage pay cut, but it is not a realistic pay cut to help save people's jobs. That's not the case. Um, and I don't know how much of that is in stock. I don't know how much of that ended up being more or less depending on the, the, the amount of uh, increased dividends he's received from those stock. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that $18 million is a lot of money and could have gone towards some of those workers, some of those 670 workers at EA. Um. Look, I'm expected to this. I'm expecting that this will continue. Um, it's it's just because it's happened a lot doesn't mean it's not going to continue happening. Um, the the this this downturn in in uh, employee retention, this this thousands and thousands of jobs lost in the games industry, will also have ramifications. There will be fewer games releasing. Um, there will be uh, games releasing in in perhaps states that uh, will not be as um, serviceable to 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 some people who play games. There will be games that will be delayed further. Uh, all of this has an outcome, and the outcome is just a worse industry for all. Um, th- these are not companies. Well, specifically EA and PlayStation. These are not companies that are doing poorly. These are not companies that are that are doing that are struggling, right? You know, I mentioned last episode that PlayStation were not going to have a major franchise release for the next financial year, which which ends in April of 2025. Now, that's pretty intense to go the entirety of 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 2024 without a major franchise release um, for their games. However, they don't only have major franchises. They have minor franchises. They have new IP. They have other avenues of revenue. They have Xbox coming onto their platform to release games. They have TV shows. They have films. They have the rest of Sony. They have hardware. They have PlayStation Plus. You know, this is not a, a company that is struggling. Who will be struggling are those 900 employees who now need to find uh, jobs in an industry that is lost more jobs uh, lo- lost probably close to the amount of jobs as the amount of employees that have just been let go from PlayStation, uh, if that makes sense. I'm saying that since PlayStation let go of those 900 people, there's probably also been an additional 900 jobs lost um, across the studios 
um, including EA. Where are they supposed to go? Where are the new games workers supposed to go? They're looking at an industry that is collapsing below them. I've seen like people on my Twitter timeline, people who I follow who follow me back, which means that for the most part they're in or around or interested in the games industry, announcing that they were while they were studying games, they've decided to not continue to study games, that they're leaving the industry because why the fuck would you stay? It's tragic. It's falling apart and the top earners, the execs, the owners of the company, the people who are the sh- like protecting their shareholders, they're fine. They're fine. Anyway, I'm expecting to talk about this again in the next couple of weeks, in the next couple of months, over this next year. Uh, I don't know in what capacity. I don't know who's next, but this isn't the end. Um, and it's, it's, it's well past uh, time for something meaningful to happen. Um, intense, drastic employee unionization you know that doesn't that doesn't that that is that is a thing that should happen that is not the solution it is a solution it is a way of helping alleviate a lot of the pain um more worker owned co-ops with with better contracts with with a greater understanding that 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 they own a part of the company, you know, uh, st- stuff needs to change. Anyway, I'm going to throw it to a break. Um, after that, uh, after the break, we're going to just quickly talk about just a couple of things that I've been playing. Um, but for the most part, um, that is going to be the rest of the show. Um, we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Minimap cast. Um, uh, over the past um, couple of weeks, I've also displayed a couple of games I wanted to talk about. Um, those games are Foam Stars and Spelunky 2. Um, starting with Foam Stars, um, uh, I w- been, I, I, I played it on launch because I was excited to play that game because I was apparently one of the eight people um, on the internet who was who looked at the trailer for that game went actually that looks okay um so i played it when it came out on playstation plus on the ps5 uh played a little bit of it went yeah this is fine and weird and kind of a little bit a little bit uh uncanny in some areas not in terms of like character models but just like it it's got the vibe of a of a um of a fake video game like it's got it's got the vibe of a game that you would see in the background of a tv show with like a kid holding a controller that isn't plugged in um for those who don't know foam stars is a splatoon style game developed and published by square enix um where you are like these 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 people called foam stars and you have these like different weapons that shoot foam bubbles um and you can sort of paint like the arena that you're in and it's like a 4v4 i think or a 3v3 no 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 4v4 um uh like it's a 4v4 multiplayer shooter sort of thing um the different heroes have got different weapons and they've all got different abilities and there's a couple different game modes like there's one which is like a controller payload type thing and there's one where you have to 
get a certain amount of kills and then kill the enemy team's like anointed VIP, which I think is their best player at the moment. You reach a certain amount of kills and then kill the final boss, which is one more kill. Um, and I've got a rotating roster of, of, of a handful of different different game modes. Um, I played it on launch and I thought it was fine. Like it's like it's pretty pretty okay, not great, not quite good, but like it's okay. And then I didn't play it because a bunch of other games were coming out and I and I missed it. Um, and then uh, the other day, um, friend of the show Alex um, from Checkpoint was playing it, and so I I DM'd them being like, hey, like want to jump in and play a little bit, and so we did. But we, we couldn't find a match in Australia at all. And so we had to change regions to Japan inside of the game settings because turns out there was just no one in Australia playing it, which was a shame. Um, the, the ping between um, uh, Australia and Japan wasn't too bad. That I, like it, I, don't, I don't think it affected that many games, really. Um, it, was, it, was, it was still perfectly playable. Um, it, it's, it's a very odd, uh, game where the foam doubles as both paint similar to Splatoon, but also you, you can sort of build up a little bit of a, um, you like, you can build up little ramps and stuff to areas. Like your jump is quite high, but like you can sort of change the terrain and sort of build yourself some cover by shooting foam, you know, famously, uh, durable material foam is, um, yeah, look, it's like, I would recommend playing it if you've got a couple of friends that all would be happy to to waste a couple hours playing it. Um, uh, y- y- you can find fun there; like, it's not bad at all. Um, it, it's got this like this this uh, funny casino vibe, where everything is like, like the game is set in like Bath Vegas, which is a weird, not really pun, off Las Vegas. Because Bath and Lost don't really like, they don't really sound alike. It, it's a strange pun, but like, th- there's there's like a there's a whole casino vibe. Everything's quite shiny. Everything's quite golden and roulette tables and dice and and it all kind of feels like that. Um, for some reason, um, <laughs> uh, I've had a chance to do the story mode just yet. Uh, I I probably will at some point over the next couple of days. Just sort of dump, jump in and see what it's like. It didn't. It wasn't super appealing, um, and that's not the main appeal of the game. The main appeal of the game is the is the gameplay. Um, I, I I would be remiss if I didn't mention how dreadfully egregious the monetization is for that game. There's like seventy dollar outfits, like seventy like real dollar outfits inside of that game, and and there's a season pass, and it's not a free game. It's currently included if you have PlayStation Plus, but it's not free to just play forever. Um, in a couple of days when PlayStation Plus kicks over, it will no longer be free to play. It will just be a game that you have to spend money to play um, or spend money to purchase. Um, yeah, it's monetization is really bad in true Square Enix fashion. Um, they really love to, to nickel and dime you where they can. So for that reason, I don't think... It's not... It's not great, and it's not very good. If you really want to play it, you'll have some fun, but I, I honestly can't really recommend it. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Um, uh, the Square reps, the, the Bandai Namco, were, were uh, kind enough to provide me with a season pass. Um, but aside from that, I don't think the game is very good. I don't think you should 
purchase this game. And I don't I certainly don't think you should purchase any of the microtransactions inside of it. That is that is how I feel about that game. Uh the other game that I've been playing quite a lot of is Spelunky 2. Um, you know, trending game of 2024, Spelunky 2. Uh, no, the, the reason I've been playing is because I've, I've been playing it on my Steam Deck. Um, I've been playing that and basically Marvel's Midnight Sun on, on my Steam Deck. Uh, one, because it's a perfect like drop-in, drop-out game where I can just do a run and then either it goes well or it doesn't and I can just stop playing. Or I can pause mid-run put my Steam Deck into sleep mode, come back, and I know exactly really what I'm doing. Uh, the reason I want to bring it up is because I finally kind of cracked this game. I'm finally actually getting quite good at it. I've gotten up to the final boss a handful of times now. I have unlocked the shortcuts um, that take me all the way to the the wet fur area, the the ice the ice cave with, with all the, the Yeti monsters. Um... Which was which was no 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 easy feat that one. Um, you got to do a handful of, of tricky challenges to get there, um, but I did it and I felt great. And I I I feel like I have strategies now when I'm playing it. I'm not just moment to moment like riding or dying on certain things or just figuring out what I want to do on the fly and then dropping it immediately. Like I've got plans for what I want to do when I'm in a run, how I'm I'm feeling it out. I'm creating little builds, prioritizing some things over other. Um, I'm feeling it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm really feeling that game. Uh, it's really good. It's a really, really good game. Uh, I'm having a lot of fun playing it. The, the progression is, is funny because like the meta game is just kind of get to the areas further. Uh, so like, like open up the shortcuts, get further in the game slash like complete a run and like collect characters and like you've got like a like an encyclopedia as well which you can which you can fill out but like for the most part it's like just get characters and stuff um i feel like between now and next time i record the podcast i probably will have finished a run by then just judging by trajectory of like how more often i am actually reaching the final boss now um which is exciting because then i unlock like daily runs i unlock um seated runs a whole bunch of stuff um, but yeah, Splunky 2 is a really, really cool game. Like, really loving the music as well. I, I've come to really love the underwater world, the, the aquatic coral world, which I think is the fifth or fourth, fourth world, one of the two. Um, maybe even World 3. Maybe it's World 3. Um, it's, it's just got the best music. It reminds me of the, like, the Dreamcast era of music with like, uh, but like between that and like some, some vapor wavy, like it's not vapor wavy music, but it, it hits that same kind of style that like turn of the century digital product type music. Um, a little bit ethereal, a little bit like cloud-like ocean. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Uh, and Spelunky 2 is cool. Spelunky 2 is a cool game. You should play Spelunky 2. Um, I am having a tremendous time in it. I'm sure you will too. Um, but yeah, that I, I think that's kind of it. I've all, like I've been playing Helldivers 2. I'll have more to say that on it when I have more the, more to say on on that. I I will have more to say on that game when I do. Um, today I started playing Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth. Um, by all me, by everything that I've played so far, it's tremendous so far. It fucking rules. 
Um, I, they, they were lucky enough to provide me a day one code for that one. It's really, really good. Um, I'm going to try and put something together for that one. Um, but yeah, like the, like that stuff, like when I, when I have more to say about it, I will. Mostly these past two weeks, it's just been all about Spelunky and, and, and Foam Stars in terms of opinions that I formed on video games. Um, but yeah, I think that that will indeed do it for this episode. Thank you very, very much for listening to this episode of the Minimap Cast. Hopefully next episode, one in two weeks, will not be as layoff as 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 such uh, bad news focused um, as this one was uh, because it'll just be really sad if this is the only thing that anyone can talk about because it's the only news. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Um, uh, make sure to listen to the next episode of the podcast in about two weeks. The best way to do uh, to make the best way to make sure you don't miss it is to follow Minimap on social media, which is at MinimapAU is the handle. Um, you can also head to minimap.com.au for absolutely everything else minimap related, including the mini disc podcast and a couple of other stuff like articles and reviews um, that we're putting out over the coming year. For those of you that are with me live on Twitch, make sure to stick around. I'm about to do a little bit of a post show just just for just for a little bit. Uh, for those of you that are listening later, make sure to give us those oh so tasty five star ratings. It really helps us out a lot. And consider joining us next week for the live show. It is a good time. Lastly, you can help support us on Patreon. If you want to help keep the lights and mics on, you can do that by heading on over to patreon.com forward slash minimapau. And for five Australian dollars, you can know that you are indeed supporting the show. And you will also gain access to some of our special bonus features. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Jeremy. See you next time.